Welcome to the Health Channel, all health, all the time. I'm Kathy Buccio, coming to you from the Baptist Health South Florida studios. Do you know when your last menstrual period began or how long it lasted? If not, it might be time to start paying attention. And tracking your menstrual cycles can help you understand what's normal for you, time the time your ovulation and identify important changes. Now with us today discussing menstrual periods, endometriosis, female fertility and menopause is Dr. Ellen Schwartzbard, obstetrics and gynecology specialist at Baptist Health South Florida. Welcome doctor, it's great to have you back. Thank you for having me. Okay, I feel like today we're doing a little overview of gynecology 101. Yes, and I always love these, our viewers are, are, are really gonna learn today. So let's start with our periods and the problem is cramps, cramps, the PMS that comes with it. So how do how does this affect so many women and how does it affect them differently yeah absolutely this is something <clears throat> every day in my office women are coming in complaining of both menstrual cramps and pms and uh to different degrees obviously so sometimes it's just a little bit of reassurance let them right. know especially the pms symptoms can be normal but sometimes right. these sorts of things interfere with their daily life and that's when you really need to go over ways that you can help them out. Absolutely. Now a study conducted in 2017 found that calcium supplements can relieve a menstrual pain and may help with premenstrual syndrome. So can it really be as simple as taking calcium or do they need something a little stronger? Right. So there are natural ways of helping out with both menstrual cramps and PMS. So uh, calcium for sure. There have been studies that have shown that simple calcium can help. Mm -hmm. um, exercise, there's different ways. Some people just really want to know, are there just some simple measures I can do that will help with right. my PMS symptoms? Um, and sometimes it's, it's not enough and you need to go over what else they can do. Okay, but let's rewind a little bit because I'm sure many people or many patients probably ask, well, what's causing cramps? Why am I getting, why are my cramps, why do they hurt or why are they so strong on this day and maybe by the third day they're fine? Right, so menstrual cramps basically, when you have your menstrual flow, you're bleeding and it's basically the uterus contracting. It's almost like you can think about as like mild labor pains. Right. <laughs> right, so it's comparable to that uterus contracting. Right. And, and those are painful. So if you're, let's say, not taking calcium, but you want to take something maybe over the counter, what do you recommend? Uh, so first line is that non-steroidal family of medicines. <clears throat> so something like ibuprofen, Advil, Motrin, uh, those, that family of medicines mm -hmm. are extremely effective. And the most important way to take it is with the onset. Right. So I tell my patients, especially those young girls, um, that's a very common time that they're coming in, they've just started getting their period and it's really interfering. You, you wanna have it in your backpack at mm -hmm. school uh, because sometimes they don't always know when their period right. is coming. And with that first twinge of the menstrual cramp, you need to quickly be taking it. Something. Now, this is something that you and I have discussed on previous shows that it's the importance of tracking your menstrual cycle, of knowing when you're going to have your time of the month. So why is that and how, and how do you follow that, that cycle? So there's great apps today. So uh, fortunately with iPhones, Samsung, whatever you oh, have. Oh, thank those phones uh, and those apps. Exactly, <laughs> you can download an app and it will really help you out. So you can be uh, putting in these specific dates mm -hmm. when your flow starts, when it ends, 
Uh, you can be putting in how heavy your flow is. And these are important because if you're going to go to the doctor and want to have this discussion, that information is all going to be there for you mm -hmm. on the app. And then when you have the PMS symptoms, a lot of people, um, it really helps to know when you're having it in your cycle. So some people really think it's happening uh, just before their menstrual period. But then you see, you know what, you are having it during your entire month and maybe we need to address it differently. So these apps really allow you to be putting a lot of information. You know, it's something that I learned when I was pregnant and I, I didn't know this before is that even when you have a little bit of light spotting on your, say your first day, that's still considered the start of your period. No, no. <laughs> Okay, I so, gotta relearn this. No, yeah, no. So the actual we you can document that. Yes. Okay, but when it's coming to the actual first day of your period, it's the first day of actual heavy flow. So the spotting we call that premenstrual spotting. So you do not consider that, but I. But why do some doctors say that's consider that a period? Well, the actual period is when the heavy flow starts. Okay. And if you have spotting, you want to document that and keep that information because it's helpful for us because right. it gives us information what's going on with your menstrual periods in general. But when you're documenting actual um, flow and when you're wanting to talk about ovulation and help people to know when they're mm -hmm. going to be ovulating to get pregnant and that kind of information, right. you want to know from the beginning of the first day of your cycle to the next, you want to start with flow. Okay. Look at that. Even I learn on the health channel. Okay. So let's talk about irregular periods. So what's considered an irregular period? So the average length of cycle. So now we're going from first day of bleeding to first day of bleeding, not spotting Kathy, <laughs> um, is going to be 28 days. That's average, but okay. a normal length can be anywhere from 21 days to 35 days. Okay. Um, so a lot of people will come in and think that their periods might be irregular, but then when they're actually documenting it, we see that it's maybe a 23 day cycle right. and that is normal for them. So that goes back to really keeping track. So in terms of flow, what's considered a normal period? Sometimes someone might have a heavy flow and they think that's normal. Sometimes it's too heavy and that's a concern to see the doctor. Correct. So um, up to seven days is considered a normal length. Um, anything more than seven days is considered too long of a, of a flow. And then the actual amount of bleeding we try to quantify it. We ask people use pads or tampons. How often are you changing them? And we wanted to mm -hmm. ask, we don't want to get specific, but are you changing it just because you want to be clean or is it like soaking? Do right. you use a tampon and you have to use a pad because you're soaking through? Right. So that gives us more information. Right. Now, what are the causes for irregular and heavy periods? Um, so they're a little bit different. Okay. Um, the irregular period causes and heavy are different. So here we have irregularity. Whenever somebody comes in with the spotting, pregnancy is always so important mm -hmm. to make sure that they're not pregnant because it could be an abnormal pregnancy. We've right. spoken about ectopics yes. and things like that. In irregular bleeding, you always want to make sure that's not what's going on. Mm -hmm. In eating disorder, if you're not getting your period, it's very common. Uh, to that an eating disorder will make you not get a period. The number one cause usually is something like polycystic ovarian syndrome. It is this very you, common? It's very common and mm -hmm. a common cause of irregular menstrual periods. You go for long periods of time of not getting a period right. and then suddenly a very heavy flow. Uh, premature ovarian failure, that results in just usually not getting a period um, earlier than you would normally mm -hmm. expect that to happen. 
uh, pelvic inflammatory disease, infections, chlamydia, all of that can cause some irregular bleeding. So somebody comes in with sort of spotting, you always wanna make sure that they don't have an infection. Uh, uterine fibroids is a big one. Um, fibroids are benign muscle tumors of the uterus that many women suffer from, and that can cause heavy periods, right. irregular periods. But still, even though they're benign, there's still something that needs to be looked at. Absolutely. So if somebody comes in with irregular bleeding, heavy bleeding, um, usually one of the first things we do is a sonogram because right. you want to be looking for these structural abnormalities uh, because you want to know if there's something that can be done about it. And we'll talk about different treatments, but for sure, because uh, it would be treated differently. Now, I'd like to remind our viewers that if you have a question for Dr. Schwartzbard, you can call in using the toll-free number 855-796-4475. Now, I understand that for some women, the pill actually helps them regulate their period. So is this uh, often a, a course of treatment for that? Uh, absolutely. So for that and for the painful periods, we use the pill to help out with all sorts of menstrual problems mm -hmm. um, because the, the non-birth control benefits are tremendous. Right. So when you go on the pill, uh, people are going to know exactly when they're getting their period. Uh, it's going to make it lighter and shorter. And these are all benefits that when women are having right. these issues with their period. Um, so it is something that we discuss. And it also depends on the age of the patient. So when young people are coming in, even before they're sexually active, it is mm -hmm. uh, something that we frequently will do. Now, with, uh, with having having an irregular period, is that something that we can control? Is there anything we can do to control that? Or is that something that's maybe genetic and family history? Right, so we talked about all those different causes. So sometimes there isn't anything you can do to control right. it, but you know, that big one that was polycystic ovarian syndrome on there, um, not always, but a lot of women who do suffer mm -hmm. from that, it can be weight related. Right. So um, healthy habits, making sure that you are a good weight, that you're eating healthy, it is connected to your menstrual periods. What about clots? Clots and the, maybe even the color of your period, does that help identify if you have a heavy period or an irregular period? So blood clots is usually a sign of the period being a little bit heavier. Okay. Um, so that is important to make mm -hmm. sure that you are giving that information. And migraines and headache, is this sort of par for the course if you have an irregular period or a heavy period? So migraines don't necessarily correlate with irregularity or heavy, just some women who are prone to migraines um, because of the hormonal changes that happen. Right. When you have a period, it usually is correlated with a big drop in the hormones. Women will get migraines and we need to address their migraines differently if it is what we call a menstrual migraine. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that, Doctor. Now up next, we're gonna take a look at condition that can cause debilitating pain. You may have heard of it, it's called endometriosis. And now where there is a lot of mystery surrounding the condition, there are treatments that can absolutely help. That's coming up next. You're watching the Health Channel, all health, all the time on South Florida PBS. If you have a question for Dr. Schwartzbard, please call in using the toll-free number 855-796-4475. And be sure to visit our website, allhealthtv.com, where you can watch the Health Channel live 24-7 or check out videos from previous episodes like this one. Now, according to the Department of Human Health and Women's Health, endometriosis may affect more than 11% of American women between 15 
and 44. It is especially common among women in their 30s and 40s and, make it, and it makes it even harder to get pregnant. Now, however, several different treatment options can help you manage the symptoms and improve your chances of getting pregnant. And with us this hour to talk about it is Dr. Ellen Schwartzbart, obstetrics and gynecology specialist at Baptist Health South Florida. If you have a question for the doctor, call in using the toll-free number 855-796-4475. We'd love to hear from you. Now, there are some signs and common symptoms of endometriosis, and we're going to have Dr. Schwartzbart sit back with us and discuss some of these. And as you mentioned, doctor, the first one is painful periods. So many of the patients will complain. As you said, it's very debilitating. It's very painful. And often they're almost bedridden. So what, So expect this, painful periods? Right. So here's the list, um, painful periods. So <clears throat> painful periods is a very common symptom. We already discussed right. that. So when young teenagers are coming in and they complain of painful periods, we put them on the non-steroidals, but they don't get better. Or a woman first gets painful periods in her 30s and she never had it. That has to start make you think, is there something else going on here in endometriosis? Right. And then pain with intercourse um, and urination, that could be when the endometriosis is located on the bladder. Um, bowel movements, mm -hmm. like we saw in the diagram, excessive bleeding, infertility, um, as I discussed also. Let me ask you, doctor, are there different stages of endometriosis? Can someone, let's say, have a mild case and then someone else have a very severe case? Right. So to strictly stage it, that is with surgery okay. um, and the extent of how much endometriosis there is. And then fortunately today, we really don't do as much surgery for endometriosis. Mm -hmm. A lot of women um, first line, honestly, is birth control pills. Right. Um, you want to stop menstruation because if they're not menstruating and having an actual period, then you can alleviate their symptoms. Right. So, and there's other treatments available now. There's actually a new medication available on the market um, in the last six months. Oh, wow. Which, um, which is an oral pill where previously we only had a shot to completely shut down the the brain making the estrogen in the body mm -hmm. um and the only other thing we had other than birth control pills was right. this injection so now we have a new oral medication out so um there's been progress right <laughs> so wait with this oral medication will the patient be on that for the rest of their life or until no um it's because whenever you're shutting down the body from making estrogen that can affect your bone density right. so these aren't considered to be very long term mm -hmm. but it quiets down the endometriosis long enough that for these women do very well for one two years and then they can go on to other treatment options try and get pregnant you know whatever the goal is so just to reaffirm doctor so what are the, some of the causes or there are possible causes of endometriosis so we don't always know what causes it. So we know there is a genetic component. So if somebody else in the family does have endometriosis, you are at higher risk for having it. Um, the longer you're exposed to estrogen, basically. So if you, because we feel like the longer the periods. So when you have a lot of periods, you're at higher risk for um, having endometriosis. So if you got your period at a very young age, um, not being pregnant, all these things that are increasing the amount of flow that you're having can increase your risk. Now, I'd like to remind our viewers that if you have a question for Dr. Schwartzbard, you can call in using the toll-free number 855-796-4475. We'd love to hear from you. Now, there are obviously complications that come with endometriosis. So what are some of those? 
Well, the big ones are what we've discussed. I mean, your daily life, having pain, um, and a lot of people aren't always diagnosed so quickly. Um, and then infertility is really a big one. Um, so, you, you know, the sooner that you seek medical care to get treatment, right. the higher success rate you're going to have. When you say that women wait to get diagnosed, is it because you're not coming in? and they're just dealing with the pain or is it mis they're being misdiagnosed? It could be both. It could be they think, oh, I have painful periods. This is normal. Right. You know, we all have painful periods. You know, they kind of suffer and, you know, they're not going and seeking medical attention. And then sometimes they go or, you know, they're on the pill or they don't even want to take the pill. And you no, know, not everybody is so quick to wanting to really have treatment. Right. Now, what factors can place a woman at a greater risk for developing endometriosis? Are there specific factors? Well, the ones that I mentioned, the exposure to your menstruation. Um, but you're not, you can't do anything about that. You can't control how early you got your period. We have some here, alcohol consumption. So that's one you can do something about. Mm -hmm. But these are small. Some you can't change. Risks. Exactly. Right. Relatives with endometriosis, you can't get rid of them. Mm -hmm. um, preventing <laughs> normal yeah. menstrual flow. Unless you don't like them, then that's another story. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Uterine <laughs> abnormalities. I mean, these are things that you can't do anything about. Low body mass mm -hmm. index. Um, so at what point then, uh, Dr. Schwartzbart, are you seeing then women going to go see the doctor? Are you having problem giving birth or getting pregnant? Is that maybe a time that many women come see you? Yeah, absolutely. Infertility is a, is a big one. And then when you get more into their history and you find out that, oh, this person has really severe uh, menstrual cramps, then you might have endometriosis right. as a flag. Now, what are the most common treatments? Let's talk about that for endometriosis. Say one of the first things is the line of defense is the birth control, correct? Correct. So it depends on what the person wants, the age group that you're dealing with. Um, so for sure, you want to try and get rid of them having, having their period right. because for a lot of women, that's the worst time of the month is when they're having those bad menstrual cramps. And then one of the benefits of the birth control pill, and we've talked about the pill on the show before, is there's like that placebo week mm -hmm. where you get your actual menses. So you can ignore those pills and ignore getting your actual period. And we call that continuous birth control pills. So that is a great option okay. for these women who have endometriosis where they just continue taking the hormone active birth control pills and they don't get a period at all. Right. So if, once let's say that's not working what is the next step so we have available these medications that eliminate uh, the brain completely from making the estrogen the, the estrogen so previously it was an injection only and then now we have the, the new medicine available and then after that you're moving on to surgery so when how do you know when someone's a good candidate for surgery so when they're not getting any better and then when also fertility is an option, mm -hmm. um, you suspect endometriosis and they really desire getting pregnant mm -hmm. and they've been trying and they haven't had success. I know there's um, very little comfort sometimes with someone who is experiencing endometriosis, but are there things that women can do to live better and maybe alleviate some of that pain uh, with endometriosis? Right. So when the earlier that you're able to try and help them, getting them on the pill, doing these kinds of things, you're really going to help them um, 
long term. Amazing. Now, up next, we're going to be discussing bleeding disorders, female fertility, contraceptions, and so much more. I'm getting this one one hundred one. I'm getting it's it's uh, it's great. Now, you're watching the Health Channel, so don't go anywhere. We are on South Florida PBS. You can also follow us at allhealthtv.com. And if you have a question for Dr. Schwartzbart, you know the number. It's 855-796-4475. And be sure to visit our website, allhealthtv.com, where you can watch the Health Channel live 24-7 or check out videos from previous episodes like this one. Now, did you know that heavy prolonged menstruation may be a sign of bleeding disorder in women? Now, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, heavy bleeding affects more than 10 million American women each year. And as you might imagine, bleeding disorders can have a significant impact on your reproductive health and quality of life. And here with us to talk about this is Dr. Alan Schwartzbart, obstetrics and gynecology specialist at Baptist Health South Florida. If you have a question for the doctor, you can call in using the toll-free number 855-796-4475. We'd love to hear from you. Now, what are the symptoms and symptoms of heavy bleeding, which is this is called menorrhagia, correct? Yes. I said it. I nailed it. it. You're proud of me. I like it. Yes, I am. Okay, so what is a heavy menstrual bleeding? Um, So you want to try and have them quantify it. And Mm -hmm. that's difficult because they might say they're having heavy periods. And then when you ask, it doesn't seem so heavy. So, um, yes, it goes through multiple pads or tampons. And then, you know, you ask how often are you changing? But are you changing because you just want to change? Right. Um, Doubling up on pads. Um, You have to get up in the middle of the night. We already said this, lasting more than seven days. And then uh, blood clots, absolutely. So all of this classifies as somebody who truly has a heavy period. I have sometimes patients come in that, oh, they're so heavy. And then I say, okay, so how many times do you change your pad during the day? And they're a tampon, oh, twice, you know? So it's really great to try and have them describe what Right, because like. for someone it might be heavy, but really, yeah, it's a very subjective description. Now, is now the causes for a heavy period are they often genetic, or or is it something that can happen to any any woman? Um, so absolutely, it could be genetic, and it, you really are going to look into the causes depending on the age. Right, right. So somebody comes in. They just newly got their period for the first time. They're young, 13, 14, they're having heavy periods. It's gonna be a very different evaluation than that 50 year old mm-hmm. who's coming in and she's describing a very heavy period. So there are different tests actually that you do to identify if a person does have this heavy bleeding. So what are some of those tests? Okay, so the tests are also gonna be different depending on, on, your, individual. on, on your age population. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be a really big one. So in that very young person, you are going to think more about genetic problems because right. um, if they're coming in and they've had a year of a period and every single one, they're describing this very heavy flow. You want to make sure that they don't have some sort of underlying genetic problem. The big one that we always want to rule out is this von Willebrand's disease. A lot of people may not have heard of that, but it actually is Uh, one of the more common disorders if you have a young person and they come in with this description of a very heavy period they're missing one of the coagulation factors and then they might say whenever i go to the dentist i'm always bleeding and they describe other parts of their lives where they actually have bleeding now when when someone is this young and and has a heavy heavy bleeding is that going to put them at risk later on for let's say issues with infertility as well Not necessarily infertility, but bleeding, you know, when they're, um, say, delivering a baby or surgery or anything in life where you might be having 
<clears throat> an instance where you might be having bleeding. So it is great if your gynecologist has a, the instincts to know maybe I need to screen and see if this person has a genetic predisposition right. um, and find out if they have that underlying genetic factor. I want to talk about the drug therapy. There are drug therapy and medications that are given to those patients who have um, menorrhagia. So can you talk a little bit about that? Um, sure. So again, we're talking about different age populations. So in those young teenagers, the first thing is going to be oral contraceptives, mm -hmm. the birth control pill, because we've spoken about the non-birth control benefits that they do wonders for people's periods. Right. And this could be for different age populations. So we even give it to those perimenopausal women later in life. So really, if somebody's a good candidate, they don't have any contraindications to going on them. It's going to make your periods lighter and shorter, um, less cramps. It really does great things. Um, depending on the age population, there's the Mirena IUD. And um, I've, we've discussed yes. that before. So the IUD, again, is a, is a form of birth control. Right. But we're and for our viewers that are tuning in and may not know what the Mirena is, that's the IUD that it's in your system for three to five years? It's in the Mirena specifically is for five years. Okay. And again, in this specific situation, we're using it for the non-birth control benefits. Non -birth they control. might want it for birth control, so right. then you're getting both benefits. Two for the price of one. Exactly. <laughs> um, so the benefit of the Mirena is that it has a progesterone hormone in it. It thins the lining of the uterus and the side effect is that it makes your periods much lighter and for a lot of women go away. Right. So this is an option for women who are having um, heavier periods. So this is not gonna be for your 14 year old, this is for a different age population. Um, and to also for a certain age population, we have an outpatient procedure, <clears throat> excuse me, um, where we actually destroy the lining of the uterus. Um, we call that an ablation. Mm -hmm. So this is now for women who are done childbearing and are looking for a really long-term option and it's outpatient. Um, they 90% satisfaction rate and uh, they go home the same day and they do great from that. And this ablation is, is a removal of the uterus, correct? Or parts? No, no, no. Removal of the uterus is a hysterectomy. So okay. th this is outpatient. You go in and you destroy the lining of the uterus. So okay. that endometrium that I was talking about earlier, the area that thickens, um, and then sloughs when you get your period, you destroy just that endometrium. Mm -hmm. um, outpatient, we have different techniques of doing it. Um, so then there's no endometrium to thicken right. to, that would need to slough. And how many women prefer this option? So it actually is pretty common. Um, we do quite a bit of these. And um, for women who just, they don't want to take birth control, right. you know, they don't want to do an IUD or they, they can take it. They're not a good candidate. Not everybody does well on hormonal birth control. They get moody, they have different side right. effects. Um, and they do want a long-term option. They're done having kids. They're 37 years old. They have how many years left potentially of a heavy period? And they want something more right. long-term. All right, to our viewers at home, it's about that time. If you have a question, call in and ask Dr. Schwartzbart anything you like. That number is 855-796-4475. I want to move on and transition to female infertility. And so I want to talk about how common that is and some of the changes that we're seeing now that are helping women when it comes to that challenge. So infertility for us, we define not getting pregnant within a year mm -hmm. and about 15% of couples, if right. you give them a full year, uh, will not get pregnant when they're trying. How common is it? Um, 
you know, we're seeing it more and more today because a lot of women are delaying childbearing. Um, that they're focusing on career, they're right. waiting till later in life. Um, so it's difficult, you know, looking at the age groups to, you know, quantify what, you know, percentage of couples actually. So how do you determine, Dr. Schwartzbart, if a woman is having fertility issues? Are there tests that are able to be done after that one year period to see what's going on? Right, so whenever somebody comes in and they say they've been trying for a year, it's really important to get the history um, to know, you know, what's going on. The first thing is you want to get that menstrual cycle history right. and the app that we spoke about where you're talking about what a normal cycle is for them um, will let you know if they're ovulating. Mm -hmm. And then you want to make sure that they're actually trying to get pregnant at the right time in their right. cycle. So that's a, you know, a great place to start. But besides maybe a, a, um, a lifestyle choice of uh, waiting to have a child because of career, whatever reason, what are other reasons for female fertility? What can, it can cause, it can be caused by what? So there's female factors and there's male factors. Right. So sometimes there's an issue with the, with the male and the sperm. Mm -hmm. um, that's a very easy evaluation. So anybody who comes in and they've actually been trying aggressively right. for a year, that's one of the first tests that we'll do because it is very easy to evaluate uh, the semen analysis. Um, to have that get done in about 40% of the time, that is a contributing factor. Um, and then on the female side, it can be sometimes an issue with ovulation. Um, there could be other factors involved, a tubal factor we call mm -hmm. it. So you need the egg and the sperm to meet. So you find out they are ovulating, their cycles are good, they're healthy, they're releasing that egg, the sperm, they're healthy, the right. egg and the sperm, but they don't quite actually meet. So there could be something going on there. Is there anything women can do to promote fertility? Um, so obviously there's a, I believe actually in a strong mind-body connection. You know, everybody's heard these stories of people who've had like a lot of infertility, they go on vacation and they get pregnant. Right. You know, so when people come in, you wanna try and reassure them as much as they can, mm -hmm. as you can to let them know you know, that you, you'll be able to help them. You want to go over the different causes. You're going to evaluate them. But, you know, you want to try and give them that reassurance because we do have a lot of techniques available to us today to be able to assist people in getting pregnant. What are some of those assisted reproductive therapies or, or options that women and, or, or a couple have to get pregnant? Right. So in my office, when they come to me, I start the work up to evaluate them. When it comes to treatment, I'm usually referring them. Mm -hmm. um, but we have medications that assist in ovulation. So if somebody isn't ovulating, it's a very easy fix. We have a lot of medications available. Um, and that's done really under the guidance of an infertility specialist. And you're able to monitor the ovaries to make sure you're not having excessive ovulation. Right. That way you're not ending up with like these multiple pregnancies where people, you know, triplets and more because mm -hmm. that's not ideal. Those end up in high risk right. pregnancies. And then that's the most mild form of treatment all the way up to in vitro to mm -hmm. IVF. Okay. Now, up next, we're going to talk about what changes occur when a woman's cycle slows down and ultimately stops. 
It was once called the change of life, but today we know it simply as menopause. You're watching The Health Channel, all health all the time on South Florida PBS. If you have a question for Dr. Schwartzbart, please call in using the toll-free number 855-796-4475. And be sure to visit our website, allhealthtv.com, where you can watch The Health Channel live 24-7 or check out videos from previous episodes like this one. And with us this hour is Dr. Ellen Schwartzbart, obstetrics and gynecology specialist at Baptist Health South Florida. If you have a question for Dr. Schwartzbart, you still have time to call in. That number is 855-796-4475. Now, let's start with the question many women have. What is menopause? Oh, boy. A loaded question right there. A lot of women, really, they dread it. They do. Yes, they do. I think it's like an aging phenomenon. Um, yeah, but menopause, by definition, is when you haven't had your menstrual cycle for 12 months, a okay. year. At what age does this start happening? So the average age in the United States right now is 51. So half will experience it before and half will experience it after 51. Okay. And usually, what are some of the symptoms that sort of let a woman know that, hey, this is coming. There's a change coming. What is it? (laughs) Yeah. So the, the most common first is menstrual irregularity. Okay. So um, you've been having very regular periods. They come pretty much whatever has been normal for you. So for some, every 28 days, it could be every 32, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, it's like their period did not come when it was supposed to. Um, So and then the cycle length can change. You know, it used to be only three days. They could be longer. They can be shorter. So there's all sorts of variation. Um, that can occur and it does change from person to person. Um, So that's the first one that occurs. And then there's all the other fabulous changes. The the, the common one are those lovely hot flashes and night sweats. Mm -hmm. Um, And that frequently starts before, okay? So in that 12 month period, a lot of women when they're having the menstrual irregularity and we call that the perimenopause. Right. Um, they're experiencing a lot of these symptoms. And I want to take a look at the stages and describe what happens in each of them in a woman's body during these. And the first one you mentioned is the perimenopause. So what's happening during these stages, doctor? Right. So the perimenopause is that time period of the irregularity um, before you've gone that full year without any menstruation. So Mm -hmm. for a lot of women, this is like a three to five year time period of the changes in your menses, and it is usually accompanied by a lot of those same symptoms that women do experience Mm -hmm. in the menopause. The mood changes, the not sleeping, the hot flashes, the night sweats, all of that. But everybody does experience it to a different degree, I have to say. So I don't want everybody, all these women who are younger (laughs) out there to fear, oh my God. We gotta go visit Dr. Schwartzberg. This is what's gonna happen to me. So there are some people who do have a very smooth transition. But if you don't have these symptoms and and you don't know what's going on, how do you know that you're going through menopause? So like when your periods stop, Mm -hmm. I mean, you, I guess you want to make sure they didn't stop for some other reason. But if you're 50 years old and your period stop, I mean, there have been women, it's very rare where like they have an unexpected pregnancy, say. In your late 50s? Not late 50s, that would be rare, but say 48, 49, all of a sudden mm-hmm. your periods stop, you think it's menopause and then find out like you could be pregnant. Um, yeah, so you wanna make sure that you know what the proper diagnosis is. Right. Now at what point do you recommend that hormone replacement therapy? 
So when your symptoms are significantly interfering with your quality of life. Okay. So a lot of women who experience these symptoms, for the they're first going to the drugstore. You know, everybody goes to Whole Foods and they're looking at that the section. The natural remedies. Yeah, natural. And a lot of those remedies might help some. They can take the edge off a little bit. Um, and not everybody wants to go on hormone replacement right. therapy, but if it gets to that point where it's really interfering, you're not sleeping, uh, your daily functioning is really being affected, that's when you're at least going to your physician and you're saying, I need help. So what are some of the advantages or the disadvantages as well of hormone replacement therapy? Right, so um, hormone replacement therapy, basically estrogen, replacing the estrogen, that's what women uh, benefit from. So when you go through the menopause, it is from your estrogen levels dropping, and that's mm -hmm. what's causing these symptoms. So replacing the estrogen is really life-changing for these women. Um, and within a short period of time, if they do choose to go on it, all these symptoms I've basically discussed um, not sleeping, the mood changes, a lot of that will mm -hmm. resolve. Okay. Now, who who is a good candidate? Because hormone replacement therapy is not for every woman. Yes, correct. So, you know, a lot of women fear cancer. The, the big C is yes. what a lot of women are afraid of. And hormones are, you know, in the media, you know, people are on their phones, they talk to their friends. You know, everybody has what their set opinion mm -hmm. is about hormones. Um, and there are some people who really can't take them. Right. There are actual contraindications. If you have had an estrogen-dependent cancer, like in your life, if you have had breast cancer, uh, you are not a candidate to right. take um, estrogen. If you've had a blood clot in your life, um, like that's like a pulmonary embolism or a DVT, a deep vein thrombosis, you are not a candidate. Right. So um, there are some people who truly can take it, and there are some people who just really don't want to take it because they're afraid of some of the risks um, because of what they hear about. But then after I spend time, you educate people, especially if they are completely miserable, um, then they will entertain right. going on them. Now we still have some time, so if you want to call and ask Dr. Schwartz for a question, that number is 855-796-4475. Now there's a condition known as early menopause, and early menopause, if it's untreated, can possibly lead to other health complications. Let's take a look at this video. Hello, my name is Carol Cool. I'm a physician and a women's health specialist. I'd like to talk to you about early menopause and the potential complications if left untreated. If you are experiencing lighter menstrual cycles with longer intervals between them, or your periods have stopped and you're having hot flashes, night sweats, and irritability, and you're under the age of 45, you may be going through early menopause. Besides being uncomfortable with these symptoms, you may wonder, why is it important to identify early menopause? Women who go through menopause at a younger age not only lose their ability to have children, but are also at risk for medical conditions that are usually seen in older women. Female sex hormones protect our heart from developing cardiovascular disease. They also protect our bones from developing osteoporosis. And even more important, female sexual hormones protect our brain from early cognitive impairment and dementia. If you've had both of your ovaries removed before the age of 45, you are at even higher risk for these medical problems. When left untreated, early menopause can have a significant impact on your sexual desire, 
your mood, and may even cause pain during intercourse due to the loss of estrogen in the vaginal tissues. Hormone therapy can help with these symptoms and decrease your risk for the medical complications we talked about. Research has shown that hormone therapy can decrease the risks on heart, bone, and cognitive health, as well as improve sexual functioning. For most women, early menopause, in early menopause, hormone therapy, including estrogen, is safe and should be continued until the natural age of menopause, which is around 51 years old. In other words, the benefits far outweigh the risks. If you think you're experiencing early menopause, the expert providers in menopause and sexual health and the Women's Health Clinic would be happy to work with you. Now, there are some great uh, tips that we got in that video as well, but I want to keep talking about the benefits of this estrogen um, replacement therapy, hormone replacement therapy, because you said there are, it actually helps lessen your risk of cancer, it helps certain, your bones. Certain, certain cancers, yeah, well, everybody's always worried it's causing cancer, right. but it's actually been shown to decrease your risk of colon cancer. Mm -hmm. There was a huge study done uh, that showed that benefit. Um, and people are always worried about breast cancer. So what the data shows and the American College of OBGYN uh, and endorses this is that the risk of breast cancer does not go up until you're on hormones mm -hmm. for five years. Wow. Okay. So it's in those first five years that women are really experiencing those significant menopausal symptoms. So you really wanna reassure them that it's safe to be on it at that time. Um, that they're not significantly increasing the risk of breast cancer being on it for those first few years when they're really being, you know, suffering the most, right. the not sleeping and so forth. There's um, also, uh, one of the things that comes with menopause is vaginal dryness, but actually with the hormone therapy, it's it can be very helpful. Absolutely. So when you're taking estrogen systemically, it's helping everywhere right. in, in your body. So you are getting that benefit for women. You know, later in life, you can just give the estrogen directly to the vagina. Mm -hmm. But for these women, um, it's a symptom that they start experiencing pretty early on. Mm -hmm. And then starting the hormone replacement is really going to significantly improve that. I do want to mention with the breast cancer, after you're on it for five years, we do see a very small increased risk. So a woman's lifetime risk of breast right. cancer is one in eight. And after you're on the hormones for five years, we see it go up to about one in seven. So it is a small increased risk. And a lot of women at that point their quality of life is so great on these hormones that they make that decision right. of weighing their quality of life versus that small that risk. risk. And, right. and a lot of women do end up staying on it even longer than the five years. So much great information. Thank you so much, Dr. Schwartzbarden. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Be sure Kathy. to join us next time on the Health Channel, All Health All the Time on South Florida PBS. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at All Health TV, where you can get health tips from our experts and see what's coming up on the Health Channel. You can also visit our website site allhealthtv.com where you can watch the health channel live 24 7 or check out videos from previous episodes i'm kathy buccio we'll see you next time